definitely to work with an agent, whether it's a commercial agent, if you're looking at commercial property, a land specialist, if you're looking to buy land. And obviously, if you're looking to do something residential, I think there's always more advantageous to work with a experienced and trusted agent, no matter where you're going to go when you're buying. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fun That Flip, you know Fun That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fun That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, hello. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. With us today, we've got a best ever guest from New York City, New York. How you doing, Phil Hen? Hello, Joe Fairless. Nice to have you on the show, my friend, and a little bit about Phil, and then he'll get into it in more detail. He is a licensed associate real estate broker at Town Residential, which is one of Manhattan's top real estate agencies. He's a top producing broker for over 12 years. He specializes in residential and new development sales in both Manhattan and Brooklyn. As I mentioned, he's based in New York City, New York. And with that being said, Phil, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up in Lower East Side in Stuyvesant Town and went to school in New York and was in the fashion and restaurant industry for a number of years before getting into real estate 12 years ago. And I worked primarily for the Corcoran Group for 10 years, me and my sales team out of the Brooklyn Heights office, which was a wonderful experience. So I've watched the growth of Brooklyn pretty much from when I started my career in real estate in 2005 to the present and had made a move a year and a half ago to join Town Residential as my business expanded into Manhattan as well. So that's a little background on me. You're a top producing broker. What does that mean from a number standpoint every year? I guess it depends. Obviously, there's certain levels of uh, sales. So if you go on a sales, normally the top brokers do well over $100 million in sales, which would then compute down to whatever their commission is. And then 
so forth and so on. But I would normally say a top producing agent, someone who sells over a hundred million dollars worth of property a year. Okay, so it's safe to assume that you've been doing at least a hundred million dollars in sales a year. Pretty close. We had a couple of uh, two years where it slowed down a little bit after the financial crisis in 2008, which kind of slowed a lot of sales, even in New York City, not as much as the rest of the country, but nevertheless, just about every other year, we've done well over that, correct? How do you do that? Most of our business comes from, obviously, our referrals that we've built up early in our career. So our team is concentrates a lot on working with buyers and investors who eventually always become our sellers and our best referral source. So like most customer service oriented industries, especially one that's commission only like it is in New York City, the better the service that you and your team can provide to those people that are kind of entering into New York, whether they're relocating, whether they had been renting and now are going to be first time home buyers or they're people who are just real estate investors or looking for a second investment property. We've tried to become experts, which we have in all those areas in Manhattan and Brooklyn where we work. And by offering those different array of services, it's allowed us to continue to build our business in addition to our residential resale, new development, and obviously the investment sales as well. So diversifying your offering and then focusing on referrals. Okay. Well, with referrals... You mentioned that buyers and investors become eventually your sellers. Have you taken a look at how long on average it takes a buyer or an investor to become a seller? That's a very good question. I think a lot of that is on a case-by-case basis. I think when we're dealing with people who are investing, we have investors who invest in New York sight unseen. So they're buying pre-construction before it goes into the ground in the first phase and hoping to obviously make a certain amount of appreciation by the time that project's complete. We have our clients who are already in co-ops, condos, or townhouses that have worked with us that are now like, Phil, we'd like to have an investment property where we could produce something that's going that we can sell down the road whether it be in Brooklyn or Manhattan. So I think depending on what the strategy is of each client, it can vary. But as a rule of thumb, we normally find anywhere between, unless it's for the person buying the pre-construction looking to flip it, we're normally seeing anywhere from five to seven years for most of the people in our portfolio who purchase, who will then turn around and, and sell the asset. What do you do over those five to seven years, if anything, to stay in touch and stay top of mind with them? For ourselves, we like to concentrate on whether we have someone who's managing the asset for them that we've referred. If that's the case, then myself and the companies that we refer do that. We try to stay you know, in touch with how the rents are increasing in the neighborhoods, if it's a multifamily property, how the market may be doing if they bought, let's say, a condo that they wanted to hold on to for a few years and maybe a neighborhood that's a little further out in Brooklyn, whether it be a Bushwick, a Bed-Stuy, a Kensington, a Ditmas Park. We're seeing a lot of investors now move over to Long Island City that we work with. So we are starting to work a little bit in Queens as well. So, you know, the timeline for us is always just to try to keep them updated and not just be involved in the transaction part, but really to work with them to be ready when they want to sell and be able to educate them where that market is at that time. Is there a system that you use to keep track of when you reach out and how you reach out to them? 
Most of the time we do it by phone. You know, we do a few clients that we Skype with, especially international or overseas. But for the most part, it's really phone calls, reports that we'll send to them on the markets that they're invested in and the neighborhoods that they're invested in. When you look at the type of real estate that you invest in, what type of real estate do you invest in? We've mostly invested in condominiums. One of the reasons we do that is that as my wife and I are both professionals married without children, we do a lot of traveling. My wife does a lot of traveling for work, and obviously I do a lot of traveling to meet with different investors and financial advisors all over the states. But I have to say the reason we like to buy condos is that we do travel. So for us to invest in a condominium, some we rent out, some we don't rent out, just use. It's just something for us for a long-term hold to kind of have and enjoy those properties. What type of numbers or what type of evaluation process do you look at when you're buying a condo? I think a lot of it is very similar to what we do here in New York City. So we will look at the public websites, whether it's Zillow or Trulia or whatever they might have in that particular location in the States and do my due diligence just like I would back home here in New York for a client. And then obviously we get out and really kind of look around. And I think like anything else, we're more of looking at, we bought one condo that was pre-development years ago in Miami that has since doubled, but we don't really use it that much. That is more of an investment property for us. We have a property out just north of Scottsdale in Carefree, Arizona. We bought that because we spent a lot of time out there golfing and hiking. So we ended up buying a little bit north of Phoenix where we leaned on some of the realtors there to kind of guide us for what our lifestyle was like. So it really does vary as far as deciding where in this area of the country are we going to buy a condo and what are the reasons. And in those situations, we've kind of tended to go towards things that have been well built, have a good reputation with the builder. And that's kind of how we go about it. Sounds like you approach it based on where you want to go vacation or where you do the most business in terms of selecting a market. Correct, for our investments. For your personal investments, okay. You said that you have meetings with investors and financial advisors. Do you have an approach, and I imagine financial advisors because they have a high net worth clients who perhaps could invest in real estate, so that's why you work with them. Do you have a specific approach that you take in terms of how to build relationships with financial advisors? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I learned early in my career from a more seasoned broker at the time was that he he had decided that the best way to expand his day-to-day business of kind of working in a specific area and being an expert or a specialist in it was certainly building relationships with people who, you know, as a real estate agent, you're dealing with real estate attorneys, you're dealing with obviously financial lenders. And, you know, those lenders obviously have a lot of private wealth sections and groups, whether it's for high net wealth clients or just their international client, whatever it may be. And that a lot of times they are leaning on these financial advisors, not only to guide them in investing in real estate, but who to use. So we found that to be a very valuable lesson learned early that I've kind of put to use and have great relationships with a few of the financial institutions here in New York that are also all over the world. And we found that by going there and doing presentations to them, as opposed to trying to seek out the international buyers ourselves, especially with maybe no family or friends or connections in certain areas around the world that we're able to go in 
do a presentation, and then they kind of pass along the info. So we work very hard on building those relationships with those financial advisors or asset managers, just like we do with our clients here on the ground in New York who are just buying and selling homes. What type of presentations do you do to the financial advisors and asset managers? Well, we've learned over the years to make them smaller and more direct and clear and kind of just get the message of the numbers that don't lie, that is public information. So we'll provide that normally in a PowerPoint presentation and obviously have some charts and graphs to make it a little bit easier to read what the growth has been for the New York City condo or multifamily market based on the last five years, seven years, 10 years. And the numbers obviously speak for themselves. So we feel that because New York is a relatively strong market history-wise of retaining their value and having it grow as an investment, we find that we kind of just let the numbers speak for themselves, show them what the market has been doing, and then it makes it a lot easier to give them any additional details at that point. How much business has come from those relationships? I would say about a third of our business, personally, comes from investors, buyers, or clients who have been referred to us through those relationships with the wealth managers. And what's your approach? If you want to expand your relationships with more financial advisors, how would you approach that? Well, you know, we have a team of three people and we kind of try to keep our, um, as much as we love to grow our business, we do also try to have some balance to keep it where we all want to expand try to go to too many different financial advisors. We'd rather kind of have the relationships. We have a handful that we work with, some well-known institutions that provide us, you know, enough business for now that we feel like going out and maybe spreading ourselves too thin or pulling from that area too much to not concentrate on our domestic business is a kind of a fine line. So I don't know if we're necessarily looking to, I mean, we'll always take a referral, but as far as expanding on the people that we do get business from and that we do refer to them. So it becomes a reciprocal business in the sense of we have clients who kind of step in and refer to me and say, hey, besides buying this real estate, we want to invest some money in the market or you know, keep something here stateside. Then we're able to refer those types of clients back to the people who are referring us the investors. When you take a look at the other two-thirds of your business, you said one-third comes from financial advisors and institutions and their referrals. Where's the other two-thirds come from? I would say the other two-thirds would come from, the, the bulk of it comes just really from the personal past clients that we have that we stay in touch with. So we'll, we'll find, the reason I always preach to a lot of people who are starting in real estate, the importance of working with buyers. I think the top brokers in New York City, which is the upper 1%, it's all about the listings. You have the listings, you'll make the money regardless. I think unless you're one of those few select people that can do that um, or can get it into the marketplace in New York, if you're not already one of them, is very hard and very time-consuming. So we've always found that our buyers are the people that eventually will, if they're staying in New York, are going to buy more properties or larger properties and always be more apt to refer us. One of the strategies we've always used is that when we sit down with someone who's referred to us, we really explain to them how we work as a team and how it works in New York City as far as having a buyer's agent and what the advantages are of those versus working on their own or, or working with an array of multiple agents. So we found that once the people understand that and know we put the time, energy, and effort in to work with them, 
Sometimes they don't always get the first deal, especially if they're certain times over the years, if they weren't cash buyers, it's very difficult to get the properties that everyone wanted. So I guess to answer your question, we feel that the bulk of the business still comes from following up all the time with our kind of sphere of influence that we already have, just to follow up with them, see if they're thinking, I can't tell you how many buyers have worked with us, and then we get calls from people we don't know who says, oh, we're neighbors of your buyers who just bought here and we're selling, and they said we had to work with you. So we find that that's the best way for us to get business and always just work for us. How many in-person meetings do you personally have on average every week? In-person meetings. Well, you know, it really depends. And we try to have that first meeting with the client, one, so that they can meet us and see us and kind of really understand a little bit better. And I think it's a little bit provides a better touch of service instead of someone on the Internet who inquired about a property and then you're emailing back to this person saying, what are you looking for? And then you meet them and you really don't know them. And it's we kind of find that the best way to do it is when we get someone referred to us who's looking to sell, we explain the marketing process, our strategy, how we implement it, and the timing of that, and obviously the importance of proper pricing. And then with our buyer referrals, it's really, again, meeting with them, but coming from a different angle to see really what their search parameters are. And if they're not realistic for either the budget or the size of the property they're looking for, we at least have them in front of us in person to kind of relay, hey, listen, this isn't realistic because of A, B, and C, and we're able to show it to them as opposed to an email or a phone conversation with someone. So most people now are a little bit more educated when they step in the market to have a good idea of uh, what they're going to be able to find. You know, a little bit earlier before all this public access to the listings, it was a little bit more difficult because people would come in and say, oh, you know, I want a two-bedroom for $500,000, you know, in like Brooklyn Heights, or, you know, I want a two-bedroom for 600000 in Gramercy Park, like it just wasn't going to happen. So we try to concentrate on the business we have, the buyers that are committed to us, to finding them the correct properties, and then the, the business just flows after that. Going back to the financial advisor outreach and building those relationships, how long from the time when you first made the connection with the financial advisory group that you got business from later. How much from that first, hello, my name is, to here's the person I want to refer you to, and they just bought through you and you got a commission. How long was that period of time? Each one was a little bit different, but I would say, because some we've met overseas and some we've met here, so the ones that are domestic, we've had a little bit of faster turnaround time to be referred to. I had a couple of clients I met a few years ago over in China when I was in business in Malaysia that took about two years to cultivate. The good news about that is once we got both those first couple referrals from those groups in those countries, we've been able to maintain more and more of them, which has been fantastic for us. So I would say domestically, it's definitely quicker. There's so many financial advisors, mortgage lenders, and real estate brokers that are all trying to refer each other business. And I think the most successful ones are the ones that have been around a long time and kind of provide the same great service. So I think as a real estate broker, for us, it's always about asking them just for the opportunity to show how we're different, why we work differently, why we only work with select clients, and be able to produce results that way. So 
we always feel once we're at least given the opportunity. And sometimes you got to be a little persistent too. So certainly we're never afraid to ask for business when we feel someone might have an opportunity for us to increase our business and have them benefit at the same time. So the Malaysia was two years. What's the quickest from the first hello? Almost two years, just under two years, about 20 months. So that's the quickest, 20 months? That was the quickest, correct. Got it, got it. It's a, I wanted to ask that because that's a big lesson for myself and the best ever listeners, that it is a process. It's not an overnight thing. No, certainly wasn't. And we were sending a ton of information to them after doing the presentations and answering a lot of questions without getting the referrals. So, of course, you know, we wanted to also be transparent and, hey, you know, we're doing all this work, getting you all this information over for you guys to forward this to your clients. We just want to make sure, you know, when we're going to see some of these people move forward who are looking, you know, a lot of those groups had been investing. So I think also once the relationships developed, I had some financial advisors over the years, I've kind of met and said, hey, I'd love to work with you and get your business. And to be quite honest, they'd be like, Phil, you know, I have a, a, a broker or brokers I have relationships with, and I really want to kind of keep it where it's at. And I respect that and understand that as well. So I think, you know, there's a fine balance in, you know, running around, doing, giving all this information away and maybe not seeing any business at the end. And of course, for us, you know, everything is, at least as a real estate agent, one of the things I've learned is that time is definitely money. So we try to keep our spheres of influence in the financial advisory world to the relationships that we have. And we've built a few more over the year, but we're not looking to kind of overexpand ourselves in that way. Phil, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say the best real estate investing advice ever is two answers to that question. I think one is doing your own due diligence even before you engage a broker, wherever you are looking. And secondly, would be definitely to work with an agent, whether it's a commercial agent, if you're looking at commercial property, a land specialist, if you're looking to buy land. And obviously, if you're looking to do something residential, I think there's always more advantageous to work with a experienced and trusted agent no matter where you're going to go when you're buying you ready for the best ever lightning round sure all right first a quick word from our best ever partners best ever listeners if you're looking to take control of your retirement and you have a 401k or ira then check out sense financial it's s-e-n-s-e financial.com They offer you the chance to take control of your retirement accounts through the self-directed 401k and IRA programs. You can request your free consultation at sensefinancial.com. Best ever book you've read? The Hobbit. Best ever personal growth experience, and what'd you learn from it? I would say... um... Losing my first deal I thought I had didn't happen, and I think from learning from that that you're not going to get every deal was the most important lesson I learned. On the flip side, best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal I've done was someone who won the lottery in Texas that knew my family and bought a $20 million investment property in Brooklyn. You can't, you, you can't repeat that very often. No, you can't. <laughs> best ever way you like to give back? volunteering. My wife and I uh, volunteer with the HOPE program and the Red Hook Initiative here in Brooklyn. And obviously for us being two professionals, we are busy, but along with traveling, our probably favorite thing is definitely, you know, volunteering for those two worthy causes here locally. We get a lot of joy from doing that. 
What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Um, the biggest mistake I've made in real estate would probably be not have the balance between time and pleasure. And what is the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you? The best place they can reach me normally is on my cell phone. My phone is always on, uh, which is 917-602-8416. And certainly we're always available to be a resource for anyone should they have any questions, whether it be on the market or strategy to speak with them. Well, Phil, thank you for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners. And I love the angle and the approach and the focus that you and your team have on building relationships with financial advisors and the lessons that you've learned along the way while doing so. How you also mentioned that hey, it can take as little as 20 months <laughs> to do that, but you're getting rewards in those relationships over the long run. And especially when you're playing in the big leagues with the big dollars that you and your team are, those relationships in that 20 months can be a lifetime worth of value. And so it's really, really interesting to hear your approach on that, as well as just how you grow your business with two thirds of that from past clients that you all stay in touch with and focusing on those relationships and following up within your sphere of influence you already have. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Be well. Best ever listeners, if you're looking to take control of your retirement and you have a 401k or IRA, then check out Sense Financial. It's S-E-N-S-E financial.com. They offer you the chance to take control of your retirement accounts through the self-directed 401k and IRA programs. You can request your free consultation at sensefinancial.com.